Thanks for joining the Ross Public Podcast. I'm Adrian, partner for Digital Banking. This episode is about creating a new digital financial services ecosystem. And I'm joined by Siri Basham, who is the Global VP Finance Vertical Eco Development and Partnership at Huawei. Thanks a lot for joining. How are you doing, Siri? I'm fine, thank you. And I'm sorry for that extremely long title. <laughs> I, I need to do something about it. All good. Thanks for joining. Um, so Siri has been at Google Norway for over 12 years, uh, where she has been the industry leader for travel and finance. And in 2020, she joined Huawei, where she's now building a new team aimed at the world's banking and finance sector. Siri, could you shortly describe your mission um, at Huawei and what this specific vertical ecosystem development aims to accomplish? Well, that's a, that's a very long question. It's a, it's a big task, but... In short, we're building a third global mobile ecosystem, which is a competitor to the Android um, and Google Play or the Play Store um, yeah. and the, um, the App Store for iOS. So, um, and, and I, the reason for doing this, and I think that's extremely important, is that we spend about 88% of our time in, uh, on our phone in apps. Yep. And it's important that we have innovation and that we develop this space uh, for us as consumers. So my responsibility in Huawei is to make sure that all finance apps um, are onboarded um, globally. So no matter where you are in the world, the uh, financial services that you want, uh, when you want it, often happens on the phone. So, so um, that is my main responsibility to make sure they're all on board. And then um, you can uh, understand how challenging that is. So you need to make sure that you have a value proposition and, and that you bring something to the market that is, that is new and is innovative and is a solution that can help um, all the content providers out there uh, with tools so they can make better solutions for you and me, right? Yep. So that we can do and that we can service our um, financial needs. And that brings us all the way to financial health, basically, which is, is kind of the core and the mission here that it is not sustainable for us um, if people around the world don't have control over their finances. Yeah. So technology can make that easier. And, and, and yeah, so it's a, it's a big, big um, challenge, big topic to solve, but extremely exciting. Absolutely. And of course, we'll talk, talk more in a minute um, about uh, what exactly you're doing and um, how you build out your fintech partnerships. Um, our second guest we have on is Christopher Andvik. He's the CEO and founder of Neonomics. How are you doing, Christopher? Fine, thank you. Great. Um, so Christopher is a serial entrepreneur with extensive knowledge within finance and the credit industry, working in the fintech space worldwide. Um, as mentioned, he's the founder and CEO of Neonomics, which literally means new economy. Uh, it's an open banking platform that is powering payments and account data, and its mission is to provide the next generation of payments and financial services across Europe via one unified API. Um, so, Christopher, this was just my own uh, short description of Neonomics, but please feel free to add your own um, pitch of what you're doing in, in your own words. Thank you. Yes. Uh, well, at Neonomics, we, we have, uh, since the beginning, had uh, a mission and vision to to change and disrupt the financial sector uh, by really uh, enabling new kinds of services through data and payments. And of course, in, in Europe, this has uh, mainly been driven by open banking and, and PSD2, which we feel is kind of the, the platform and fundamental aspect of being able to provide this. Um, so this is regulatory driven, 
But we, we saw that opportunity. We decided to connect to, to all the banks and create a new uh, network on top of the banks that would essentially connect the old legacy banking solutions to mm-hmm. new technology and new innovative solutions in the banking sector. So that's what we are facilitating at Neonomics. All right. Sounds super exciting. So thanks again, everyone, for joining the podcast today. Um, and in this episode, we'll discuss the current state of fintech. Um, as well as how to create a new digital financial services ecosystem that advances financial inclusion. And of course, we'll also talk about the recently announced partnership between uh, Neonomics and Huawei. So as a first uh, quick question, um, has there been any fintech related piece of news or like a fintech product experience that you recently tried out that you would like to mention? Well, well, I think sort of in terms of news um, and, and with relation to what we're talking about, uh, what I find really exciting and is that Amazon in the UK has now um, uh, informed us that we yeah. no longer can pay with a Visa um, card. And, and that is the core to what we are talking about, about Christopher and Neonomics and, 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 and Huawei. Uh, what we're trying to solve is to actually make the, and you actually make the payments uh, even more secure, uh, mm-hmm. which is, is a good thing. So, so I think seeing um, how the market will react to that, how, the consumers um, will react whether they find this very uh, difficult to pay account to account. I, I presume not. I think they yeah. will find it so much easier, and and that will that will help um, that will help the industry with showcasing um, how uh, open banking can actually work. Absolutely, yeah. It shows the power of big tech, right? So it'll be interesting to follow how consumers react to their to the decision to um, kind of keep Visa out of the out of the payment methods. Yeah, and, and I think like, and I'm, I'm sure Christopher can add a lot to this, but but again, like like we just I said, so you have a duopole in the app market space, yeah. right? Okay, that is not a good situation. You have almost had that in the payment or the card um, uh, industry for a long time. It is not sustainable, and it's not good for us as consumers. And and now technology can come in and 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 improve that for us, and and that is. It sounds easy and basic. I know it's not, but but initially it is in the end yeah. uh, when you have technology like what Neonomics can provide us and, and our um, partners with. Christopher, anything you want to add? Uh, yeah, well, I was about to mention the same news. I think that was, uh, I, even if it might be just a political uh, position from, from Amazon space, I think um, it just shows that there is a, a huge drive in the industry now to do something about how we how we perform payments and how we operate in the space that said i also think that we we keep thinking about payments too too complicated it's it's not actually that complex and it's all about the flow of money and how you secure that in the best way and at the end of the day it's our accounts it's our transactions it's our data it's the it's in the hand of the consumer and yeah. now we're seeing uh, somebody stand up towards the, the two large schemes that we have, Visa MasterCard, uh, and trying to push them. But hopefully that will also uh, create innovation in, in our space. Um, frankly, we've seen over the past uh, four years that we've been working in, in, in the PSD2 regime that a lot has happened in the mentality of the banks. Uh, in the beginning, they were very reluctant to do anything but now they seemed also they seem eager about it and open banking is definitely 
become like on everyone's top of mind. And we truly believe that that will not just create a new uh, generation of payments, but it will also create a new generation of additional value-added services that I think will be a huge benefit to the consumers. But I also think like the the um, the possibility to uh, to to help the consumer to make better choices, like in the personal finance management space, that is also extremely important part of this. So so I think there there are two parts, and um, and I, I recently not recently, but I've, I've downloaded an app that I'm 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 trying out these days, and and you kind of get a little bit shocked when you get these messages, and you go, do you know how much money you spent on? this and on that and i'm not going to say the either the amount of what i spent money on but but you sort of go okay siri you need to uh you need to think about how you do that and it sort of makes you a lot more aware um and especially now that you see in europe that like the electricity prices are going through the roof and and having now some an app or a tool that can help you to not overspend on uh, on other things around Christmas, so that you actually make sure that you you are um, in a position to pay your electricity bill when it comes your way. Um, that is that is so important. I think that as well. I mean, there there are plenty of those um, around that, um, and I think we will see even more of it when it's just it's like the beginning of the mobile phone. You know, at the beginning you could send a text and you could call with it. Now it's a bank and it's a it's yep. uh it's your whole life so um we're just we're just starting and that's the excitement no fully agree fully agree so i think if we now jump a little bit deeper into the consumer side um and like the whole topic of having uh, access to a diverse range of financial services and products um i think this is also an important topic especially since the corona crisis um, because obviously on the, on the consumer side, it's clear that um, attitudes, behaviors have changed. Uh, everything moved digital uh, from work, play, learning. It's, um, you know, um, I'm, it's also assumed that most of these digital um, behaviors are expected to stick around for, for the future as well. So there's a huge boost in, in uh, digital, adopt um, yeah, uh, digital adoption of, um, of new tools and new services. Um, but at the same time, I just checked um, a survey which has been conducted all, all over Europe and um, most respondents said that COVID-19 had a financial impact on them or their family. In Italy, it was 75%. In France, it was 54%. So Siri, I know that you've been talking a lot about um, financial inclusion and providing better access to digital financial services. What's your view on like the current state of financial inclusion? And you already touched a bit up, it up, upon uh, like the um, app store duopoly and so on and um, consumer choices. Well, um, I think obviously we the, it's it's a different elements. You have the 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 one that is about everyone that doesn't have a bank account, like people that doesn't have anywhere to put their money. That's that is one problem, and and obviously we need to solve that. So that that that's one part of it, but. I think the other part is, um, and, and that is extremely challenging because with technology and a lot of the tools, the young people don't have a relationship to money. Um, I can just uh, refer to that with my daughter. She's uh, now she's, she's soon 20, but um, the last couple of years, she just go, mom, I need money. And I, had, I have just uh, skipped it over to her uh, within seconds and she's had it, right? So she doesn't understand that. Um, and and that is um, that is a responsibility on on any um, government or um, educational system. So we, so we need to go. 
the, all the way back there um, in order to improve the, the topic of financial inclusion. Absolutely. So, um, so that is one part. And then for, for you and me and, and um, us grown-ups who, who have a relationship to money and know what it takes to earn them, um, we, we also need help. Because you can, you can see that if someone, um, let's say, suddenly go from university and they, they get a job and they get a, quite a good income, they don't know how to put money aside. Um, they don't necessarily know how to to even the money out to make sure they pay their bills on time. And 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 it's it's one of those things I'm saying. It's it's really expensive to be poor because you you always have to pay extra to to get the things that you you want. So how can technology help that? So so to answer your question, we are far from financial inclusion. Yep. Uh, but luckily, we have technology. So as long as it's um, used in the right way, uh, we can solve many of these challenges. But but it is complex and it's, it's not an easy job. I fully agree. Um, we also had someone from ING in one of our last podcasts and uh, that we exactly talk, talked about this, that um, you know there are unbanked people that just don't have bank accounts. Of course, this is a complete own set of um, challenges to bring them into, into the banking world, right? But even in, in developed economies, um, people can easily get into debt, for example, with hyped, hyped startups um, like Ben Later, um, um, fintechs um, that have been growing in popularity. And at the same time, most financial services providers are incentivized to give people, for example, another loan when they don't have money. So it's kind of a spiral that goes then uh, only downwards from that point on. So there's, there are a lot of opportunities to actually improve how financial services work um, for consumers and not against them. Yeah, I was just going to say, because Christopher can probably yeah. say a little bit about how open banking can can and those that can help us uh, to make sure that you don't get a loan if if you cannot afford it. Exactly. Like that, that there are tools to do that. Exactly. Yeah, that was my next question to Christopher. That um, how, how, What's your view that does like the impact of PSD2 and open banking um, help to kind of propel new, you know, the advance of new services um, that help people to manage their money better? Um, or has it like really helped to improve the assets or quality of financial services? What's, what has been your experience? Yeah, well, we actually, we, we have um, indeed worked on a product uh, that targets exactly that challenge because we have, when you look at traditional credit scoring, it's normally based on uh, extracting your your um, your tax data, your your potential uh, uh, payment defaults, and so forth, and, and creating a score for you based yep. on your income and your tax, and and it's actually not providing a very good picture of of your actual uh, financial life and and the health of your financial life, and this is where data becomes so important. Um, so. We created a solution together with Experian where we actually extract open banking data from the accounts based on the consent of the consumer, obviously, and it's also fully anonymized and, and secured. Um, and then based on that, we can do a categorization that shows the spending patterns of the consumer. Yeah. And uh, due to that, we we're able to, to give a much better picture of the actual financial health of the consumer and then also use that as a tool in providing loans or in providing uh, support for the financial life of the consumer. And I think if we look uh, two, three, four, five years into the future, I think this data is going to be so important when we assess the kind of products and services that the consumer should have access to. 
And mm -hmm. in my mind, at least when we look from for a from a European perspective, that is the best way to create financial inclusion in Europe, where we actually know a lot more about the consumers and stay away from that kind of, as you said, very high cost debt that uh, some of the buy now, pay later solutions provide. And also make sure that people don't get into the traps. And as CD also mentioned, being poor is extremely expensive. And you may sometimes not have another option than to, to go into very expensive debt. And it just is a, it's a never-ending spiral uh, for the consumers that are in that space because they have no way to get out of it. And I think these products based on more accurate data uh, used in the right way, you should always have the, the consumer protection in, in, in mind. If that is done correctly, then uh, these products can be a game changer for the consumers of Europe. Absolutely. Um, and I think it goes beyond uh, um, credit scoring as well. For what Siri mentioned, for example, like um, helping people understand their own spending patterns and uh, you know how much money they get in, how much goes Absolutely. out and so on. Yeah, so that's uh, pretty exciting. Um, um, our next um, topic I'd like to cover with you both as well as the whole um, segment of mobile payments and mobile banking, um, which obviously got a huge boost during the pandemic as well. So across um, European markets, um, usage of um, mobile banking has been up up to 50% in some markets, as well as um, point, contactless point of sale payments. Um, and of course, this is nothing new in China, for example, um, where mobile payments and QR codes have been all, all around for quite a while now. Um, so also in, in relation to what Europe can maybe learn from building up a digital financial services ecosystem, which is obviously, um, which has happened in China before. Um, so Siri, I would be also really interested in your opinion on what, what learnings or developments you can share with us when it comes to Chinese digital financial developments and in relation to Europe, where we now see somehow also an, an uptick in you know, mobile, mobile payments and mobile banking. Well, um, I, I have to say I've never been to China, so um, that that as a disclosure there. But um, I think what we see, which is is a fundamental sort of change differences between China and Europe, is is that um, the Chinese uh, people are a lot more keen to uh, use tools that make their uh, lives easier. They are um, they're not they they and and you have the best test market in a big uh, market like China with 1.4 billion people right so I, I used to I use the example of so if an influencer cut their hair in a special way the next day three millions would have done the same yeah. and 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 you get so um, you get so much traction and learning from from a test market like that so that's that's one thing uh, we don't have that in Europe Europeans are I don't know if we um, life is as good as it is, or we are too lazy or what it is, but it seems like we're always a little bit hesitant on taking on new um, technology, yep. some markets more than others, obviously. And then you also see that um, there hasn't been a lot of regulations in the Chinese system in the beginning. So they kind of, they just jump, they, they jump the desktop and therefore the, the phone was a natural place to start to do this. So um, that's what I'm, kind of trying to, to look into. And then there was the, and, and there's also been a huge investments, right? Because they've seen the traction and you see that this is, we're moving into one, mm -hmm. one area um, that has 
worked those three things and elements have worked well in combination mm-hmm. um we don't have all those elements like in europe we have uh, all all these different markets yeah and 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 i've experienced that like just trying to look at um uh finding solutions that can play out in all markets it's not easy like you it is different even sweden norway and denmark are different uh, when it comes to the payment systems right so um in different ways so, so that makes it hard for us what we do see though which is very interesting is the uptake on super apps so you see uh revolut um that will um that will be sort of uh that are adding a lot of different uh tools and services into into their uh features and 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 same with Klarna they're doing the same so um but again it is so so that is very interesting to see how we pick that up um they are uh they're on on a high speed for sure uh so so i think that is um that's going to be interesting mm-hmm. uh, absolutely yeah for sure and i think obviously as we just said there's a huge need for for more consumer choice uh, also in financial services um kind of to to boost financial inclusion and today app gallery has over 600 million uh, monthly active users so obviously that's a huge innovation opportunity for for banks uh, and fintech app developers so um could let let's maybe talk a little bit about, about this development here as well because i would be really interested to, to hear from your side how how do how do you kickstart something like that to challenge the existing duopoly? Um, what have been some of the um, challenges to create initial traction? Um, you know, convincing incumbent banks. Uh, you know them yourself very well um, to to um, join App Gallery, but also with fintechs. Are there some differences maybe you can share in cooperating with you know agile fintechs versus the old old banks? Yeah, uh, that's a very good question. Obviously. Um we're in the middle of a very challenging geopolitical situation and and that um that um that sets the scene in a yeah. way so um and we know that the financial industry has always been um maybe they they are they they are slow moving but when mm. they move they move fast so yeah. so it's more they sit on the fence they watch and they want to make sure that everything's um that that they know what they're getting themselves into sure um, and that's how the industry has always been. And then suddenly came the fintechs and the new regulations with PSD2. We're looking for PSD3 in the future, right? So, um, and and the technology, and that has totally changed the industry. Um, and and so when I joined, um, obviously the the strategy was onboard the traditional and the incumbent incumbents and and let's just rock. Yeah. Um, it wasn't that easy. Um, I'm, I'm going to be um, that transparent. So I thought, okay, how do we do it? Because I need to give, I need to make sure that our consumers and customers have the services on the our phones um, so that they can do their banking. Yeah. Um, and when you move to the fintech industry and you start to talk to them, it's um, first of all, totally different attitude. They are so keen on finding new solutions, driving innovation. It's, it's, it's a totally different game. Yeah. Um, and it feels like uh, it feels like when I was uh, sort of uh, it feels like the beginning with the finance industry when I was working uh, at Google. But so that's one thing. The second is that their um, technology platforms, they're new. So it's easy for them to be agile. Yeah. 
compared to incumbents who have a huge legacy and we need to respect that that uh, is uh, that is a that is a big problem uh, for them yep and then there's the i think then there's the leadership and the culture um and then in the way in the end it is also investment right? sure. because um investment uh, for an incumbent is a, is a is huge and they have a lot of different things to invest in for uh, a fintech it is that product that they um that they're trying to um to solve and improve and 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 bring to us yep. and um so so in that relation the investment is is higher in in that term so so mm-hmm. um yeah um it is not it's not easy but i i believe that like working with um neonomics and, and we're going to get into that is is a totally different um partnership mm-hmm. because we want the same thing absolutely. we want to improve um the, the the tools for the customers absolutely i mean to be honest i'm seeing actually more and more app gallery logos at major banks websites so so I've, yesterday it was i think bbva santander and so on so it, it looks it yeah. looks it looks already and- yeah. And it's interesting to see how you see how uh, Southern Europe um, has a totally different um, approach to this. Yep. Then, and and I think that might have to do. Uh, it seems like like a lot of the fintech environment happens um, in the Nordics, in the UK, in yep. Netherlands, like the northern part of Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, and and therefore, I think the incumbents are also maybe a little bit more protective. Yeah. Right. So that they they are a little bit more afraid of, of what's uh, gonna hurt them around the next corner, um, and therefore they try to solve it themselves. And and it's that try to solve it themselves that that I think is I don't know. And I understand why they won't try to do it, but I I don't think um, they have the capacity to do it because they have so many other things to think about. Sure. Um, so so Southern Europe, France, Spain, Italy, Portugal. Um, our markets where uh, we have uh, 90 plus percent of the of the of the incumbent banks on board. Um, All right. So so yeah, um, Nordics is definitely a different market, uh, but we're working on it. We don't give up. Yeah, Christopher, how's, how's it been from your experience? And also, I mean, you're working with both traditional banks connecting to their systems, and then obviously also with a lot of fintechs that want to get this data and build uh, interesting propositions on top of it. Um, how has been this whole development from your perspective? Yeah, it's been it's been a tough journey. I can say that much. Uh, so we we have probably been since we had we've had the approach of being API from day one. So we didn't yeah. want to do any reverse engineering or screen scraping and. And that has been very tough because the quality of the APIs of the banks, if we look a couple of years back, it was horrible. Yep. And uh, then we had some fintechs at the other end that were looking at us to, to connect to these banks. And when they saw the quality that they were getting a couple of years ago, they were like, what are you guys doing? Because this is, this is horrible. We cannot work with this. Um, that has fortunately improved a lot. So, so the quality of the APIs of the banks are now far better than what they, they were just a year ago. We're now able to provide our services. I wouldn't say that they are complete yet, but they are very much improved. And we also see uh, somewhat of a change in the mindset of the banks, that they are now not so much... They know that this is going to happen. So they... They still try to hold back a bit, but they are not as reluctant as they were two years ago. Uh, so we're also trying to see how, how this can facilitate a lot more 
interoperability between the banks and the fintechs so that the banks will consume some of the fintechs solutions and uh, vice versa, that we also see where the banks can actually provide something that the fintechs can help them distribute. Yep. And to me, that is the whole idea about open banking. Uh, I think there is a misconception about what open banking and then the next step, open finance, is all about. Because I think most of the banks today have been looking at PSD2 as a, a compliance requirement that they really don't want to do. It's just a cost. Yep. And if they look at it in that way, it is going to stay just a cost. If they really want to see this as an opportunity, they need to change their mindset and think, okay, what can we actually provide of products that opens up opportunities in collaboration with others? Because if, uh, and Siri actually also mentioned it with how the, especially in the Northern European region, the, the banks have been holding back, trying to protect themselves. And it's, not necessarily the same in Southern Europe, but when you try to protect yourself, your market is only the customers that you have right now. And in my opinion, open banking is about opening up a completely different market. And for the banks that fail to recognize that, I think that is where they're gonna face a huge challenge three to four or five years from now, because the banks that really understand what open banking and, and open finance is all about, they increase their potential market by 10, 20, 50 times or more. Whereas the ones that keep holding back, they're just going to shrink the market that they're able to communicate to. And, and eventually the, the consumers are going to go elsewhere as long as we're able to provide these open banking and open finance services. So I, I think it's like you said, it's, it's, um, there is a change going on. We're far from finished with it. We are still uh, trying to get these partnerships uh, really effective. Yep. Uh, also trying to see how we can leverage openness, not just PSD2, because I think that is also where we will see not just an opportunity for the banks, but also for the fintechs. Mm -hmm. And this is why the partnership with Huawei is so interesting, because we kind of gather everyone in, in one e new ecosystem where they all want to leverage the same thing, which is essentially to provide this to the consumer. And, and that is the key element here. Absolutely. So what can fintech developers uh, expect from now working with Huawei and, and Neonomics? Maybe Christopher also in, in your words, how did it start out? What, what are you offering right now? So when we started the discussion with Huawei, we, of course, as Siri referenced the geo political challenge that, that we currently have in, in the world, uh, yep. we saw that we could potentially uh, help facilitate that connection point between the, the fintechs, the apps, uh, the consumers, and the banks that didn't necessarily want to take part of this. Because driven by the regulation, we essentially have an opportunity to create any kind of uh, third-party interface into a mobile bank. Yep. So all the activity that you are normally able to do in your online bank, we're also able to facilitate for in a third-party interface. Yep. And that is kind of the baseline here. Um, so when we started discussing this with Huawei, we were looking into, okay, how can we do this for payments? How can this uh, provide more efficient payment methods, both as in-app payments and also potentially uh, for the content providers and how they uh, facilitate payments themselves. Yep. And eventually also for physical mobile payments. 
which is uh, the ultimate challenge here, which we also aim to aim to solve. That was one end of it. But then uh, the the original vision, actually, what what we started was to create an app store for banking, so to speak, where mm. these fintech apps would be able to provide their services into banks or other fintechs that needed these services. Yeah. Huawei had much of the same approach when they looked at how financial services should be provided to their app developers. So that is why this partnership went so perfectly hand in hand, because with the vision that we had and the vision that Huawei had, what we aim to do now is actually to facilitate for this uh, toolkit Mm -hmm. that the app developers will get where they can get access to not just the open banking services that we provide, but where we can also work with other third-party services and enable and facilitate those kind of services into the Huawei apps directly through this toolkit. And we can also potentially extend uh, much of the security elements of the device, which enhance the security of open banking even further. Uh, so with the elements that we have here with the Huawei technology on the device, uh, with our technology off the device, the combination here is a, an extremely strong value proposition for not just the fintechs, but for the banks that want to leverage this. So, mm-hmm. so this is kind of what we aim to provide uh, as soon as possible. Awesome. And Siri, I mean, talking about fintech innovation, open banking has, as far as I can see it, almost always played a huge role. So as an ingredient to really um, develop new innovative propositions, what has been your decision like to really go through the open banking route to drive innovation for you for App Gallery? Well, I think uh, like uh, Christopher just said, it, uh, we bring more value to our our developers or, or partners um, yep. and and that's what it, it's sort of to to give them give them uh, this toolkit um, that has been the the reason to provide them with something that they might not get uh, elsewhere but obviously we have a big job to do because this is not a space where people expect to um, to to see Huawei so yeah. So uh, I'm very glad that you invited us to this um, podcast to talk about it because we definitely need to to um, to tell this story out to the um, to the market so that they understand the the potential that that we actually can um, can help them with. Absolutely. Um, anything else you would like to mention that we haven't covered in uh, the podcast yet? I would say in the future for everyone else, like, like if somebody comes to you with an idea and you think, oh yeah, that sounds exciting, but I don't see how I can can make it happen, then don't give up because uh, we have this has taken us quite some time and we've gone, uh, we, we've gone, uh, we haven't done the highway to be uh, to be honest. So um, it it takes time and uh, it is. It is challenging at times, but at the end, it's so worth it. So, yep. so I think what I would like to say is that anyone that listens to this podcast, reach out to Christopher or myself and let us uh, explain to you what we're doing. And it's not necessarily only the within the uh, financial products. It, this can be also uh, within retail, e-commerce, like all industries, basically. Yep. Um, there are a lot of opportunities here where we're... Um, 
uh, we have a great tech stack with um, with Neonomics. Uh, we have a lot of uh, we have the 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 place where they can uh, reach their uh, customers and and consumers. Yeah, I just uh, agree to what Siri is saying here. It's uh, this this is an opportunity that goes well beyond just financial services, uh, even though that's kind of the core focus of what we do here. Uh, because anyone can essentially leverage this. Uh, if you look at any kind of business uh, in, in, in the world today, they are depending on making transactions. And that is what we facilitate, but we also facilitate a lot more than that. So uh, we are open to any additional partnerships in this, uh, this combination that we have here. So uh, please feel free to reach out and we're uh, happy to look at how we can innovate the sector that you're in. All right, awesome. So that sounds really exciting. Um, I really recommend, recommend to our listeners to check out Hulavay's app gallery and services for fintech startups and developers, and specifically when it comes to open banking, to check out what Neonomics is offering. So Siri and Christopher, I learned a lot, a lot in this episode. So thanks again for sharing your insights with us um, and speak soon. Thank you, Adrian. Thank you, Adrian.